You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Broadway Gives Back Podcast. I'm your host, Jan Svensson. This podcast spotlights Broadway actors, shows, and organizations in their pursuit of social impact and philanthropy. Join us as some of the brightest lights on Broadway share their stories about their favorite charities and how they got involved, and the people and the causes who benefited from these philanthropic efforts. Vanessa Williams is one of the most respected and multifaceted performers in the entertainment industry today. Her critically acclaimed work in film, television, recordings, and the Broadway stage has been recognized by every major industry award, including four Emmy nominations, 11 Grammy nominations, a Tony nomination, three SAG Award nominations, seven NAACP Image Awards, And her platinum single, Colors of the Wind, won an Oscar, a Grammy, and a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. Vanessa is a strong advocate for equal rights, especially concerning the LGBTQ community and minorities. She was honored with the Ally for Equality Award for her humanitarian contributions, and she is a founding member of Black Theatre United. Her charitable endeavors are many and varied, embracing and supporting important organizations and causes. Vanessa and I have become friends during the past few months while she's been starring in the hit Broadway show, POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass Are Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive. I am so happy to have her here today. Vanessa, welcome to the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Thank you, Jan, and uh, wonderful to be a part of this amazing work that you do. You're you're so spectacular. I mean, I know we're working together now and your your knowledge and your friendship uh, and your generosity is amazing. So again, I thank you for the friendship and also all the hard work that you're doing for us. Well, I'll say right back at you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm lucky to have gotten to know you a little bit lately, but I want to have our listeners get to know you as well. So I thought maybe we'd start off with a little warm-up exercise and I'll ask okay. you some sort of rapid fire questions and just Whatever pops to your mind first, just shout it out. Okay? okay. Okay. If you could be a member of any fictional family from a Broadway show or a movie or a TV show, what family would you want to be a part of? Uh, probably the Brady Bunch. <laughs> and who would I want to be? Probably Jan. Oh, no. Thank you. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Marsha, Marsha. It's just one of those families that you grow up with. And um, they're zany, they're funny, they're corny, but it's Americana. 
I got to tell you, I've had many guests that have said the Brady Bunch, so there, there's definitely something about it. <laughs> what are three words that you would say describe you? Uh, adventurous, generous, and loving. Where's your happy place? Ooh, my happy place is with my family. No matter where in the world it is, it's, it's with them. What is your favorite food and beverage at Sardi's? <laughs> well, I know well, the answer, but for everybody well, else. Well, well, now since it's summer, it's the Aperol Spritz. That's the cocktail that I usually get after uh, the show. And then um, I would have to say it's the regular uh, chicken club with French fries. That's uh, Sardi's favorite, and it's just always good. Yes. And I'll have to say that we have met together several times there. and We've had a bowl of French fries and nothing yes. else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My favorite meal. Uh, what is your most used emoji? Hmm, right now it's sun because I'm a grandmother now and my grandson's name is Sunny. So I say good morning and I have a little sun or what's Sunny doing? So I'm, 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 that's my favorite emoji right now, the sun. Aw, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what do you most give a damn about right now? Most give a damn about? Wow. Um, there, there's so much. <laughs> I know. I, I would have to, uh, it's expansive, but personal freedom, personal choice. You know, we live in a democratic society. I would love that to be reflected uh, on a daily basis, which I certainly think is not at the moment. Amen. What are you most grateful for today? I am grateful for being able to live out my dreams. I look back at my life at 59 and can kind of tick out all the boxes that I wanted to achieve, but then these other amazing gifts, uh, you know, hearing my my voice on the radio, I never thought that'd be uh, happen in my lifetime. Uh, seeing myself in movies, having portions of my uh, life being quoted and uh, be remarkable enough to, to make imprints on people's lives. Uh, having that kind of legacy was something I never dreamt about. And um, it's, a, it's a reality. So I am grateful for my journey, grateful for the lessons that I've learned and been able to impart on other people. And, um, you know, it's, it's grateful to have the wisdom that I do now at 59. I got to say, 59-year-old gorgeous grandma. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I, am, I am actually so in awe of you, and not just because of the breadth and depth of your work, but and also your philanthropy and your social impact efforts, but because you're such a down-to-earth person. So if I were going to go back and use some adjectives to describe you, down-to-earth, I think, would be one of them. And I don't think, I don't know if people see that, but you are just, you're so practical and you're just so real. Um, so thank you for everything you do, but also just thank you for making it real. Well, I I, I don't want to say blame it on my my parents, but you know my parents are educators, um, but they also wanted to make sure that me and my brother were very independent. So we, you know, uh, today I was just repotting five plants that had died over the uh, this heat wave thing, and you know, I, people think I have staff and think that you know I've got this amazing life, which is very similar to the people that I play 
play on TV and 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 <laughs> movies, which is wonderful to be able to have staff and never have to lift a finger. But I enjoy cooking. I enjoy being a part of uh, you know being able to fix things, and um, and that was my parents making sure that we had those skills and we were expected to do those things. And we do. My mother is 82 years old, and uh, you know was still. I had to tell her to get off the ladder and stop cleaning her gutters because somebody <laughs> can do that for you. <laughs> and I have to say, like, it, you know, I have now witnessed you do the work. It's not just that you lend your name or your talent, but you're involved, particularly we're going to talk about Black Theater United, but you are involved in every bit of it, the strategy, the fundraising, the administration, the policy setting, and also setting up your own meetings and getting your own Zoom together and, you know, everything. So it's it's really impressive. But you just mentioned your family and your 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 mom. Um, I, I do want to talk about your past a little bit and jump into your background before we start talking about other things, because it really has set the stage for what kind of activist and philanthropist you've become. So how do you think your background helped inform how you are today with regards to your philanthropy and your social activism. Did you see it modeled for you by your your parents and your community, or was it something that came to you later in life? But tell us a little bit about like the young Vanessa. <laughs> well, in terms of uh, philanthropy, um, my both my parents are very active uh, in the community, uh, not only being teachers and seeing their effect of all the people that they taught and 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 helped to mold their lives. They were both uh, music educators, but they were involved in uh, the the uh, NISMA, the New York State um, uh, Music Education Association. Uh, my mother is involved in a woman's group called the Lynx, which is uh, African-American women that uh, give back in terms of scholarships and all types of programs. My dad was uh, involved in the Rotary, so um, we watched him be a part of that and, and be a president of that also, but their worldwide health kind of educational, they had a cardiac thing that they did on, on a worldwide basis. Uh, so I, I grew up watching my parents give, you know, going door to door for the United Way back in the day when we would knock on the doors mm -hmm. and ask for donations. And then, you know, when we we would have our UNICEF little, our little, you know, collecting our little, little boxes. Little yeah. Boxes. Yeah. So I, I think our generation was, that was part of what you did, you know, ringing the bell, you know, you'd, you'd see the Salvation Army. There was always a component of giving back that was, I guess, just considered uh, normal or expected. Um, so that's been always kind of a part of, of, of growing up. Yeah. And it certainly has set the stage for you. And what about with your kids? Like, do you do anything special with your kids as far as making sure that they are, um, you know, humans that care about others and, and are philanthropic and, and socially activist? Um, I, I always would love to, it's almost immersion uh, therapy of my kids. Like if, when we when we would go to Brazil, we would, of course, stay in a beautiful hotel and have room service, but then we would go to a favela and they would have to, we would get our cards, we're not even a cards, our shells read by someone who was a, um, you know, a, uh, a shell reader, you know, slash psychic, <laughs> but they would also get a chance to see what that was, but also look around the room. And, you know, I remember one of my kids said, wow, they, there was just a mattress on the floor in that room. I go, yeah, that's their bedroom. That's all they have. Mm -hmm. So, you mm -hmm. know, so going to South Africa and going to the, the township and, and seeing um, one of our, our friends uh, was working with with uh, AIDS relief down there and taking them and seeing live electrical wires and, you know, the the squalor and, and saying, look, you know, we're going back 
to our hotel, look at this. This is a brand new year. This is the beginning of, you know, we went for New Year's Eve one time. So it's it's really showing them all over the world how lucky they are. And and they get it. They my my kids are not um uh entitled. Um they have great expensive taste because they know what it's been like to travel the world uh, with me, but they certainly understand how fortunate they are and they are always willing to give back. So now we need to talk about POTUS because it is the most hilarious show, but it's also so relevant and such an important show. And I just wondered, what does the show mean to you personally? Well, it's morphed. Uh, when I read it, um, the world was different. I read it back in the fall before we all came back to the theater. So I was very anxious to do a comedy when, when Broadway is back. And then as yeah. uh, the spring happened and uh, the the leak happened for uh, Roe v. Wade, that changed the dynamic of the, the, the show greatly because there is a moment in the show where Dusty, a character who is... Uh, with child talks about her um, volunteering at her local uh, clinic in Idaho and the audience thinks that she's naive, but she says affordable, safe, reproductive health care is a basic human right. And the night that it was leaked, everyone leapt to their feet and applauded. And it wasn't like, isn't that cute? They were applauding with such vigor and such passion and outrage that it made us stop. We were frozen and you could, it, it made us tear up because the power of art meeting uh, real um, outrage is, is very rare, uh, particularly in, in, a, in a comedy. And when the actual um, decision came down a few weeks later, Julianne Huff, who uh, plays Dussie, who uh, spoke to me before, she said, I don't know whether I can do this. I don't know whether I can do that line without falling apart. And I said, Julianne, very rarely do you get a chance to have your own personal beliefs and what you're saying as a character line up and do not fall mm -hmm. apart. This stand in your power. And she nailed it. I could see her shoulders after she said it uh, mm -hmm. start to shake, but she nailed it because it's, it's, you, you're the one that has to send the message. And she did a great job. But um, so it's completely changed because yes, it's a comedy. Yes, it's a farce, which is wonderful to be the first female farce on Broadway uh, and to work with these, uh, you know, six other tremendous ladies. But um, the fact that when Hillary Clinton comes to see our show and I'm doing a scene mm -hmm. playing the first lady and uh, Lily Cooper is interviewing me as a White House reporter and um, I've listed all my accolades and all my education and Harvard and Stanford and law firm and campaigns and doing all these incredible things and uh, Lily's character says, so, well, why aren't you president? And I say, well, that's the eternal question, isn't it? Everyone stood up turned around and looked at Hillary and gave her a standing ovation because everybody was <laughs> outraged, you know, or, or was there in solidarity saying, what more do we have to do as women to be liked and to be voted for and to have it happen and to take control? So, uh, you know, what a cute little comedy uh, that was written by a 28-year-old when I first uh, read it and what it has turned into uh, has been tremendous. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm so happy that you are too. And it's it's so amazing and it's such a crazy time and and you know, half our country's rights are have been taken away. And um it's just it's scary times and your show has just become so 
um, so much of a, a lightning rod and a catalyst and an important message now for it. So um, I think everyone needs to go see it. I think you guys should extend again. <laughs> I, w- I wish you well, could. I, know. I, I think there's another show coming into the Schubert. I mean, you know, we would love to have it filmed, which would be amazing, uh, just with our, our cast that we we love. And I just think we are a well-oiled machine at this point. Um, but we think mm. that, you know, many people would be affected by it uh, on a bigger bigger you know, platform. So, you know, we'll see what uh, the producers have to say and what they can get done. You know, again, Susan Stroman did uh, having an all-female cast, but also Susan Stroman at the helm, um, you know, a young female um, playwright, Selena Fillinger, uh, all-female um, creative team, except for Beowulf Brett, who was amazing and did our rotating stage. But um, it was very unusual to be in a room that was all-female. I've never had that happen before. Uh, where um, there was a sense of safety and security that you get when you don't you don't feel like you're being judged on a different level, uh, and it was really unique. And I don't know whether that'll ever happen again. Well, I hope it will. I hope this is just the beginning of um, of more productions like that. Interesting, because you talk about you know this empowerment of women and being with women. I want to segue now to Black Theater United because that's different yet the same, right? Um, I'm so lucky to get to work with you um, as, you know, sort of an advisor, but an ally for sure. Um, This organization is responsible for so much of the change that we've seen on Broadway in the past two years with regard to equity and diversity and inclusion. And I wondered if you could just start at the beginning. You have such an amazing uh, list of founders. um, And um, how did it all start? It all started with Black Theatre United uh, right after, unfortunately, George Floyd. And I think we were all at home. We were all in shock and disbelief. And and then the the rage rumbles up. I got a, uh, a, a got contacted by Lashans and Audra saying, "I don't know, but we got to do something. Are you on board?" And I said, "Of course." And we all kind of reached out to our friends. And at this point, where I guess we consider ourselves veterans because we've all been in the business for you know thirty plus years. And um, and that's kind of how it happened. We would do Zoom meetings every Sunday night, and try to figure out what are we going to do? What What is our agenda? What can we do? And um, it was a think tank. And our first kind of initiatives were town halls because people wanted to hear from uh, someone. So what we did the first, uh, we Stacey Abrams and uh, Janine, uh, her sister Janine Abrams-McLean, we did um, uh, the power of the vote and at the, that time of, of the census and how important those were, especially to just the black community in general, not even considering theater. Uh, Viola Davis was one of our uh, our uh, mediators that we, we moderators that we used um, for um, uh, Sherilyn uh, Eiffel, who was uh, at the time at the uh, NAACP. We talked about uh, the, the law and how things slip through the law and how things, how the laws get changed. So we, that was our first kind of initiative with these town halls, which we will continue. And uh, we got into sponsor, uh, mentorships. Um, we did a, um, a one with Williams Williamstown Theater last year. Right now, we're doing it with um, marketing groups uh, in uh, for for theater in this in in Mark in in the 
Broadway community, we also were hosting a, um, basically it's a summit for all of Broadway, all of commercial theater, uh, theater owners, producers, directors, um, you know, creatives, um, and, and talked about how the stories that we were hearing from people of color that were harmed and, uh, and needed to be heard, uh, and what needs to be in place when we start going back into production um, was very important. So we had a series of these sessions. And through that, we came up with the New Deal for Broadway. And that was um, a document that um, commercial theater makers across the board signed, um, dedicating a change to diversity and EDIAB um, uh, work. And it's been tremendous. And wonderful. And, um, you know, it, it was one of those things that took a lot of work. And, uh, you know, we funded it and we got, uh, you know, uh, Kenji Yoshino involved, who was the person who led um, our training process uh, that led up to our document. The work is never over. But it's been a wonderful start to be able to to have such impact uh, in the commercial theater world. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think people need to realize that that New Deal document, which is really more than a document, it is a way of life, right? Or a way of practice. You know, it touches everybody in the Broadway community is on board to, you know, strive to make these changes that are so needed on Broadway. And you should know that I would say like at least, you know, more than half of the guests on this podcast in the last few years have said that this is the single most important thing for Broadway. You know, how they can, how can they can support it, how they can learn, how can they can become an ally. For many, it's the most important topic. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, the door, the door was open and after everyone was in shock and wanted to make the change, then it was, how can we help? Right. How can we be an ally? And a lot is, is, uh, is looking at, um, a production with a different lens, mm-hmm. uh, being able to make sure that the creative teams have someone of color, making sure that there is, when you start a show, that there is an opportunity for people to talk about maybe something that makes them uncomfortable, whether it's in the room or whether it's in the text um, and also, you know, theater ownership and concessions and sound and, you know, lighting, making sure that those are opportunities where you can hire people of color that can help you make a, a great show. Mm-hmm. So it's all about inclusion and, and you know, inclusion is a choice. I mean, diversity is a fact, but inclusion is a choice. 
Oh, I like that. Say that again. Uh, diversity is a fact. Inclusion is a choice. That's mm -hmm. a, we have to needle point that on a pillow. That's actually, that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, I, I am so lucky to get to work with you on this and I've learned so much. Um, and I guess we should use this opportunity to talk a little bit about the gala that's coming up in October. October 3rd, we're having our first Black Theater United Gala, uh, which will be down at Pier 17 uh, with a live concert um, starting with BTU members and friends. And we've got a lot of heavy hitting friends. So we'll be uh, excited to have a wonderful 90 minute concert kind of uh, showing our talents, but also showing uh, showing what we've done uh, up till now uh, as a um, as a group and what we we plan to continue to do in terms of our work, um, not only in the theater community in New York, but uh, uh, in the broad sense of things. So um, we're very excited. And, and you know, what I've loved, not only doing the work and and uh, having all these different components, but my, my mentee that I had last year, I keep in touch with her all the time. Now she's, she wanted to be a, a wardrobe um, a designer for, for Broadway. So I would do weekly Zoom um, meetings with friends that were stylists, friends that were designers, mm. friends that were worked uh, out in California in television film, friends that were in New York. And she now uh, not only followed up with everybody that I introduced her to, but now she's actually working with one of my people that I introduced her to. So being able to see the results of... Um, of, of connection and possibility and bringing somebody else who just graduated college and giving her a career thanks to what the work that we do is has been wonderful. You want to drop a few names of who might be at the gala? Who might be performing? Well, uh, we, <laughs> we chose October 3rd because everyone is so busy that that was the only, that was the first date that everybody knew they would be in town. It's a good, it's going to be a Monday night. And of course, Audra McDonald will be there. LaShawns will be there. Norm Lewis will be there. Uh, Billy Porter, who's one of, I just saw him last night, uh, after the show for dinner. He was, he will, he will be there. Uh, you know, Lilius White, Capathia, um, uh, Darius Tahas. Uh, Michael McElroy, Tamara Tooney, uh, Karen uh, Ford, who's an amazing sound mixer, will be making sure everything is fine. Lisa Dawn Cave, who's an incredible uh, stage manager who's trained so many people. So not everyone will be performing because there are so many of us, but you will be able to meet uh, uh, everybody that is part of our, our, our wonderful, um, you know, our, our wonderful group. And uh, it should be a really unique but warm and, and exciting night. I love the way you said that your group, um, you're sort of the elder statesman in the Broadway community. And I think that's really true. And I think people, you know, they look up to you um, for how they should behave. The role the role that you play is so important. And they have so much enormous respect for all of you. Um, so we're so grateful to have all of you really digging in and 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 helping. Um, and people should go and support this. And, and I do think you, of your programs for, for BTU you know, this idea of mentorship and fellowships and, you know, creating that pipeline of amazingly talented, qualified people that are diverse, that can do the job is critical, right? Absolutely. And um, it's more than just when we say diversity, it's more than just putting more Black uh, black productions up and saying, well, we did it. No one came. So we've done it. We've done our work. And now we're going to go back to, you know, doing the music man. I mean, again, that's not a diss at all, but, um, but we're talking about 
making sure that people know that there is black wealth. Who are those people? Inviting them into the the theater with people that they want to see and changing mm-hmm. programming. So you will get a, a diverse audience that has the money to come and see those specific shows. So it can happen and it is possible. And that's us being able to show and provide that there are a whole number of people that are, you're missing and the theater experience is changing. Subscribers are changing that old model of, I will subscribe to this, the, the season. And uh, those, those are changing people. People are walking up, you know, because they want to see a show. And um, so the whole models are changing. That's why we want to be in the forefront to help make those change and make those changes and make them um, more diverse and, and expand theater. So when you imagine Broadway in like five or 10 years from now, what are your hopes and dreams, with, especially with regard to um, DEI? Well, my hopes are that we can get um, uh, not only diversity, which is apparent on on stage now, but uh, I want to be able to go backstage and see props and see electricians and see uh, a diverse uh, working uh, environment backstage uh, with company management as well and, and beyond just the ushers and just the talent that you see on stage. Theater ownership, concessions, all those opportunities, which are, have been, you know, for years, uh, uh, not diverse, I would love to be able to see it from top to bottom. And and also see a new generation of theater goers, which I'm seeing in POTUS. I see young girls coming back over and over again, now wearing, uh, you know, Crocs and FML t-shirts, uh, which mm-hmm. if they go see the show, they'll understand. <laughs> but, uh, and being empowered every time and laughing at the joke before we even say it, because they've been there so many times that they know, you know, what's going to happen. I, I would love to see, uh, again, more Selena Fillinger's 28 years old and has her stuff on Broadway, which is timely. And, um, and I just have to say kick ass. Mm, for sure. And, you know, you're talking about the different roles, you know, it's also about the people in power who are making the decisions about what stories get to be told. And more diversity on that level as well. I think that's really important. I was going to say, well, that goes back to staffing and and people that have been uh, executive directors uh, for years and years, which have a wonderful wonderful boards that support them. And um, but you know, there's been many uh, heartbreaking stories that none of us were aware of until everyone got a chance to tell their stories about the pain that they've had to endure. There was one particular well-known um, theater um, uh, man- executive director of a very prominent playhouse uh, who was never given any opportunity to to do any Shakespeare because they assumed that he didn't know how to do it because he was a man of color. So those kind of, you know, I want to say microaggressions, but those little things that that have being dismissed uh, and not even uh, involved in the room where it happened because people assume that you wouldn't have the knowledge or history or wisdom to be able to contribute are the things that all bubbled up in this past couple of years, I said, the summer of reckoning, and Mm -hmm. all need to be addressed and adjusted. Can you give any advice to the people listening to this podcast about how to become an activist or a philanthropist? You know, not everybody has the platform that you have, mm-hmm. um, but you know, every you know, in looking at what you do, um, as I said earlier, you do it all. I mean, you do the work. 
So you leverage your platform, but you also like your hands are in it. And um, so for many people, I think they're, you know, gosh, I can't do anything. I don't, I don't have any money or whatever. So what would you advise to those people? I completely understand. It's very overwhelming. Where do I start? How do I do it? Uh, and that's what we went through with with BTU. Like we have all this passion. What are we going to do? What do we start? Is it gun control? Is it you know uh, police brutality? I mean, we were all feeding off the same rage that everyone else was globally. Uh, and then you have to figure out, okay, what what do I really want to spend my time with and what can I make a change with? So what I would say to a young person, you know, what are you upset about or what do you like to do? What do you want to dig in to do? Um, is, is it human rights campaigns? Well, you know, go to their website and see how you can um, help by being an ally. Are there, do they need um, people at specific events that you can volunteer for. And then networking, you make friends with people that have the same kind of passion. And then all of a sudden you're doing something as a community and you found your people. Cody Renard, who is one of uh, a black uh, stage manager who I've worked with uh, a couple times in After Midnight. And uh, I, I did uh, one of the encores with him. You know, he talked about, um, you know, being behind the booth, calling a show and and one particular person on stage uh, was talking about, um, and this article was in the New York Times, was talking about the 4th of July holiday coming up. And he said to Cody, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you're going to have some fried chicken, aren't you? And again, this person, of course, did not realize how big of a deal it was. Again, yet another microaggression against a person of color. Like, How dare you assume that I'm going to have fried chicken? And that's a stereotype. And Cody ended up not only writing a beautiful piece, but started his own um, uh, uh, foundation because he felt the, the need to tell a story, but also make sure that people knew the limits. So you never know where your passion will lead you to. But if you there's, uh, there's a group for anything. So all I would do is Google, <laughs> you know, whatever you're interested in or what you're passionate about or what you're outraged about and you'll find your group and find out how you can volunteer and then who knows where it goes from there. That's great. Yeah, Cody was on this podcast so he shared some of those stories but he didn't share that one so thank yeah. you. Mm -hmm. Any last words um, that you want to share about um, you know, your career and most particularly your you know, your activism and your, your philanthropy? Well, I, I just love, uh, now that I'm back on Broadway yet again, um, it's been uh, 30 years now. And uh, even though it's a grind, it's eight shows a week. There are days when you walk up the stairs to your dress room and you're like, oh, once <laughs> you hear places and you can hear the audience ready for a show, that makes your adrenaline pump and you're there to serve the audience and have a great time. So I'm so happy that I'm back in the groove again. Uh, I am so happy that people are back in the theaters in their seats wanting to be entertained. The theater is something that's live that morphs every night depending on the vibe of the cast and the vibe of the audience. Uh, so if you've never been to Broadway, please come because you will be in for the treat of lifetime. And and um, 
And we are a community and we are there to help each other, to support each other. And I am so happy that not only my passion for what I love to do, which is easy for me to sing, dance and act, is something that I can make a living with, but the fact that what I do and the community that we have come together with, with Black Theater United and being able to make a change on a global level was something that I never thought would happen. And I'm so happy that it's aligned with my passion. Because people always like, oh, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? I think mm. that's that's too much pressure. You'll your purpose is living and following what your gut is, and it'll you'll find your purpose because your life is your purpose. Thank you so much. Um, we are so lucky to have you on Broadway, but also in all the forms of entertainment. And uh, you've added so much to our lives in so many different ways. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Broadway Gives Back podcast. Broadway Gives Back is part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Special thanks to my producing partner, writer, editor, and friend, Jim Lochner. And thank you to everyone at BPN, including Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and Kimberly Garris. I'd also like to thank Julian Hills from the Bulldog Agency and Eric Becker from Broderick Street Music. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream your podcasts. You can also follow Broadway Gives Back on Facebook and Instagram at Broadway Gives Back Podcast and on Twitter at Broadway Gives. To learn more, visit bpn.fm slash Broadway Gives Back. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.